You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Billy on up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. That's Ed over there on the other side of the bar. And this is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. They're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call them at 708-330-4466. You can see all they have to offer at FamilyDry.com. If you need to get water out of your home, out of your basement, away from your property, you need to take care of a problem that's happening right now or take preventative measures, mention us. When you contact them, you get money off FamilyDry.com. Ed, you are uh, working on a an article right now for Socks in the Basement and uh, the Mismatched Socks blog that's right there at SocksInTheBasement.com. Remember, if you go to SocksInTheBasement.com, you can link up with any podcast service. We're on everything. You can go to any podcast service to find us, but one of the easiest ways to figure out all the options is right there at SocksInTheBasement.com. You can contact us through the page as well. There's a way to leave voicemails. There's a way to just type us a contact message. You can you can leave reviews of the show. You can share everything with your friends. Please do that. But you're working on this article that covers a bunch of things that you're either not concerned about or concerned about here in the last couple weeks of the season. Before you get to that, the thing I'm most concerned about is losing two straight series here to kick off the month and having to go into now a series against Boston. And you better win four out of six in this six-game homestand or I'm going to be hitting the panic button right here because you can't limp into the postseason. Well, you know, I, I think there's this this idea, and, and we've talked about it, how we had this situation last year where the Sox took their foot off the gas, right? They ended the season on such a sour note after they clinched the playoffs uh, they went 3-9 and nine over their last 12 with a six-game losing streak, including two walk-offs against them. Uh, and probably the low light was a couple days before the end of the season when the Cubs beat them 10-0, right? So yeah, just, just a bad end of the year, and it left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And then they walked into the Oakland series, you lose Aloy Jimenez to an injury, and they get bumped out even after you know this return to the playoffs. And that's where I think everybody feels like this is headed, and you lose two straight series, you're right. You go into the Boston series, you could lose that one as well. And as we sit here right now, though, the Sox are not that. They are not what they were in 2020, where they just basically fell off of a cliff at the end of the year. What they are right now is 500 over their last 12. What they are is a team that just put its three top starting pitchers on the shelf for the last two series because Lynn has knee inflammation. Giolito tweaked his hamstring. Carlos Rodon is just sore and tired, which, you know, these things are going to happen. It's something we said was coming at the beginning of the year. We said it on this show that Carlos Rodon, there's no way he's getting through this season. You had to spread things out. That's why the usage of Michael Kopech has been so odd to me because you had a tailor-made six starter, but Tony fell in love with him in the bullpen. You'd feel a little bit more confident if they would have stretched out Kopech at this point, still had a really good bullpen. You wouldn't be as worried, I don't think. I think you'd be far less worried about this team right now and all the injuries to the pitchers that will hopefully all be done this weekend, right? Because they're all coming back this weekend. They're all coming back to face Boston, who, by the way, Boston, outside of Chris Sale, has had some pitching problems of their own lately as their guys have gotten tired, too. And when you're talking about aces, you know, tweaking a hamstring or pulling a leg muscle this year, 
Uh, Garrett Cole of the Yankees just left his last start after three and two-thirds because he tweaked his hamstring. The Yankees shut him down for the rest of the week uh, through the weekend. He's not going to start until next year, next week. Uh, if you watch somebody like, say, Kevin Gaussman of the Giants, who has been just lights out most of the season, he's been fading lately. He's just not as effective, right? So this is happening around the league. And, and Kopech is another example. Here's a guy who hasn't pitched in two years, and he's getting to the end of a season. You know, things are not quite as sharp. So this is all to be expected. And I'm not as worried about that because I think that's going to happen to everybody to a certain degree. You're going to have your Max Scherzers out there who who are still looking strong for the Dodgers, but you're also going to have even Shohei Otani got kind of beat up by the Orioles on his last start of August. It's, it's the Orioles. Otani should be, you know, should be pitching nothing but immaculate innings against those guys, right? Maybe maybe Cedric Mullins gets a foul ball off of him because he's the only guy who's hitting on that team. So I'm not really worried about uh, about that. What what I I do have concerns about, and I and I this is where I want to watch how this team responds over the last two weeks and going into the playoffs is the Sox are this year kind of terrible in one run games. And if you think back to 05 when they won the World Series, they were I mean it was absurd. They were 35 and 19 in one run games. Right. I remember that being such a big stat for them. Yeah, it was such a huge thing for them in one run games. Sox this year are 13 and 20 in one-run games. And that, I think, is a, is a big problem because they're not going to be able to blow everybody out in the postseason. The thing that sticks out to me the moment you tell me that stat, the first thing that just pops into my head is all of the write-ups, all of the stories, all of the times that we've been told that Tony LaRusso manages every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series. If he's really taking that approach, how are we losing more one-run games than we're winning? That, that's the first thing. Some people might say, oh, that's unfair to put that on Tony, and we've had all these injuries, and it's a different team, you know, and we had we had all these different problems during the year, and he did a great job, and look, I'm going to be the first one to tell you I think he's done a great job. He could definitely be manager of the year, depending on how this team finishes up, because he had to go through all of that and still kept this team winning and has them on the way to winning their division and being a threat in the postseason, but I, I think the story is yet to be written, like I said on Wednesday's show, Tony La Russa is going to be the factor, especially in the first game of the ALDS when they're going to play the Houston Astros. That's uh, That seems to be pretty much set in stone. It's not official yet, but it looks like that's what's going to end up happening. Him against Dusty Baker. Baker, a terrible manager. La Russa, pretty good. A better manager in the postseason, seeing as how he has three World Series rings and Baker has none. Okay, but he's he's going to be the factor. This is when we find out whether or not he's still the Tony La Russa the in-game manager that he was before he took off that time from baseball. But that is a crazy stat that you're, you're talking in one-run games, they're losing more of them because that doesn't make me feel good when you know the postseason is going to be a lot of close games. Well, now here's something that I think that the perception is going to be. You, you just hit it on the head. Tony LaRusse's in-game management. Well, when we're talking about in-game managers and in, in close games, we're talking about bullpen usage usually, right? That's where your, your head goes. And... The Sox for the season are league average in letting inherited runners score. And they've blown 22 saves. Okay, so keep those two stats in mind. Because that is where Tony's bringing in a guy to either put the kibosh on a rally because you're nursing a close game lead or you're trying not to get give up a lead in a tied, ga- tied game. Or, you know, the blown saves is obviously you've come in with a lead and and you've, you've dropped it, right? And that's that's how you lose one-run one games. In 2005, the Sox were excellent at that. 19 blown saves the entire year, 
uh, score, you know, of inherited runners scored only, and that was below league average. The Sox at 35% are league average in inherited runner scoring. So Tony's pulling a lot of the right buttons here, and you're going to have some failures by players. I, I looked at two other teams, though. I looked at the Rays, who are currently leading the AL, right? So do you think the Rays are better or worse than the Sox at blown saves and inherited runners scored? Knowing that the Rays are doing so well in the standings, and after seeing them, I would think they're better than the White Sox in the, in these areas. They are. They are only allowing 29% of inherited runners to score. They've only blown 18 saves, but do you know what their record in one-run games is? Please tell me it's bad. It's 18 and 20. They are under 500. Uh, so we're, we're all terrible at this. Well, <laughs> then you get to the Giants. The Giants, who are, are you know, surprise team out west, right? Kind of have a 2005 White Sox feel to them, quite frankly. They are actually ahead of the game. They are 26 and 15 in one-run games. But they've allowed only 36 they've allowed 36% of inherited runners to score and they've blown 25 saves. So they're actually worse than the Sox from a bullpen standpoint. The difference is is that the Giants hit in those situations, okay? And the Sox don't. There's a a batting win probability effect called the clutch factor, okay? That sort of measures what White Sox batters do positive and negative in in pressure situations. And the Sox are a negative 2.1 in that situation where, you know, zero is basically neutral. The Giants are at plus 0.6. So they're not, you know, great at it, but they're really good. The biggest problem that the Sox have, and I think this is where there's room for hope, the Giants have hit four more extra base hits than the Sox in terms of doubles and triples, but they have 208 home runs to the White Sox 165 for the season. And so I think what's going on in those one-run games is the Giants are hitting a little bit more clutch, and more importantly, when they are getting the hits, they have far more extra base hits. They are hitting the ball out of the ballpark, or they're hitting those doubles or triples where the Sox maybe are settling for singles in those situations. So they're, they're, you know there's a net positive when you have, say, Yoan Moncada getting a single with a couple of guys on, but if that doesn't bring those guys around to score, it doesn't make a bit of difference in the end game and in the standings. And that's the huge difference. So I think if you're looking for a positive sign on that, it's that Yasmani Grandal, Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert all haven't been here the entire season. They're going to make a huge difference in the playoffs if they are healthy and if they are there and if they're hitting that way. But more to the point, all the worry about, you know, Craig Kimbrell missing one pitch against the Blue Jays or Liam Hendricks giving up, you know, uh, blowing a save here and there, or Aaron Bummer, <laughs> this is the one that frustrates me, is when you watch Aaron Bummer pitch and they get like four swinging bunts off of him and there's just nothing you can do and he ends up giving up a lead. Those types of things I don't think are happening. So I do think you're right that Larusa is showing himself to be a good manager because he's making the right moves. The problem is, is that at the plate, in those games where the Sox are keeping it close, and this is something I think we just need to watch for. Are they just getting the occasional base hit? Or are they actually getting the lead and putting the games away at the plate? Because I feel like as I'm thinking about this, as I watch games late when they are close, tied, or behind, you watch them get that three and out inning where they just go one, two, three, or they get a base hit and the guy doesn't advance anywhere, or they strand a guy at third or something like that. And I feel like that that is going to be the bigger narrative as we get to the playoffs than whether or not Tony Larusa puts Michael Kopech in the right situation or whether or not we even have Dallas Keuchel on the team or things like that.
On Wednesday, I'm going to be going to the game. I'm bringing the whole family. It's actually the first time I'm bringing all five of them, or all five of us. I only have uh, my wife and three kids, so a total of five. I had to buy five tickets. That's what I'm trying to say, which was which was goofy because I go on StubHub, and anytime I would select something that was like one to six seats, I would try to buy five, and the option was either four or six. So you can and only then, buy an even numbers? I know, it was really annoying. And so I was like, well, this stinks. Uh, obviously, having the third kid was a big problem for, for my baseball watching uh, experience. And I just ended up buying them <laughs> straight through Major League Baseball. Uh, before we walk into the ballpark, we're going to go to Cork and Carry at the park. I'm going to bring them all in there. 33rd in Princeton, and I'm going to feed them. And because so I don't have to stand in the line, uh, I'm going to get them a, a, a great burger. I'm going to give the kids whatever they want to off of the appetizer menu. There's award winning burgers over there. There's there's ballpark food. It's at a great price. And there is a full bar for me where I have every option. I've got craft beers. I've got uh, the full liquor bar there. I've got seating inside. I've got seating outside. I've got just friendly people. And I'm right in the shadow of the ballpark. It is a south side tradition. If you're going to the ballpark Pre-game or post-game or even in-game, if you don't have tickets, at Cork and Carry at the Park. See everything that they have to offer. See how you can rent out the entire place, too. Get all the information at CorkandCarryAtThePark.com. Jordan Lazowski is going to join us here in just moments, and uh, we're going to chit-chat with him from uh, Sox on 35th. But before we get to that, I, I kind of want to follow up on what you just said. And some of the guys that you mentioned, you're glad that they're back. Well, Yasmani Grandal, we went over this just recently. His clutch numbers are insane. He's really good in one-run games. He's really good late in the game. He's really good with, with runners in scoring position and two outs. The problem is I can't have him bat all nine times, okay? And, like, right now in your mind, who would you want up there in a big situation? Just in, I believe that the only two guys that I truly, that I truly want up there right now is Grandal and Anderson. I used to feel like it was Jimenez, and maybe he turns it on because he seems like he's a big game guy. Yeah, and I agree with you. It's it's really it's Grandal, uh, it's Anderson when he gets back. I have all the faith in the world in those two guys. If there's you know the game on the line situation, ducks on the pond, and you know they're at the plate. I really do worry about guys like Cesar Hernandez, who just has not been as good as what we had hoped when they traded for him. I really worry about Andrew Vaughn seems to press in those situations. Uh, you know, and, and that's not a knock on Andrew Vaughn. He's a rookie. He might he might catch fire over the last two weeks of the season, and then he's the guy you want up there. And you're right. Jimenez, I, I think he's working his way back. And the hope for me is, is that as that third guy that you, you discussed, that when we get to the playoffs, Aloy feels like himself – has worked his way back into game shape, has worked his eye back into, you know, feeling the pitchers out. And when he comes up, you have that feeling like something really good is going to happen because I do think he's got that genetic makeup, and I do think that he's a big game guy. And I'm really curious to see where Luis Robert is because I think he's the X factor. If he comes into the playoffs really hot, he seems like the kind of guy that it doesn't matter what the situation is, he's going to do something. Today's guest is brought to you by the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail. Uh, Socks in the Basement is doing something called Soxtoberfest. We're going to go to a lot of different Oktoberfest and events at different bars and restaurants all around the South Side in the late part of September and the early part of October. And the first event that we are going to be at, at least as of now, 
is the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail Oktoberfest at Blue Island Beer Company in Blue Island on the 26th of September, and tickets are going fast. You get to sample as many beers as you want to at the festival from the Dixie Highway Brewery Trail. You're going to get some free food. They're handing out bratwurst and chips to everybody. There's live music, and Socks in the Basement is going to be out there with free swag for you. It is going to be a blast. It's an outdoor event with tents all over the parking lot out there. Get your tickets now through Eventbrite. Just search Dixie, and it's the only thing that pops up. And then look for the Brewery Trails Oktoberfest. Click on that and order your $40 ticket while they still last. There are now less than 100 passes left. Once they run out of tickets, you cannot get into this event. Jordan Lazowski is a small guy in stature, but a big guy when it comes to White Sox stats. But because of your size, Jordan, I don't know. Could you handle three, four hours of drinking at an Oktoberfest? You think you can roll at that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not too far outside of my college days, only two, two and a half years removed. So maybe we uh, go back to the good old days and try and find a way to operate. But that sounds like a ton of fun. Let's talk about you over at Sox on 35th, uh, one of the great sites to just kind of dive into stats from time to time and and get a, a good look at the team. And you've been writing over there for a while you put out something recently we're going to get into, and that is what you think the White Sox are going to do with their roster in the postseason. But before we talk about that, let's quickly talk about what Ed and I were just discussing. Uh, clutch players on the White Sox. First of all, they're not doing very well in one-run games this year. They're not the only team that's going to the postseason that's having that problem, but that's a big number right there in terms of how many they've lost compared to how many that they've won and we were talking about guys that we actually trust late in the game. And one of them's your guy, Yaz, who we, who we discussed on this show recently, has incredible clutch numbers. Who do you trust late in the game? Yeah, it's funny how it comes all full circle. And now we actually trust Yaz as a fan base. It's, <laughs> fun to see how, we're, it's fun to see how we finally got here. But you bring up a good point about the one-run games. I think, for me, trying to rationalize it, it's a function of a couple things. The function of early season, some not so fantastic bullpen decisions uh, in terms of bullpen management. It stems from a very young team, things you have issues controlling. Like someone like Andrew Vaughn, who's like two for 50, two outs runners in scoring position. That's a black hole for a guy who's had a pretty decent year overall as a rookie. I, I think it's really a function of a couple things there and a little bit of luck one way or the other. I, I think when you look at guys you can trust, you got to turn to your veterans. Abreu, yeah, even Anderson, guys who have seen it, been around the block a little bit, and can, I, I, I guess, take, not take the mental toughness, but have that sort of mental edge in those moments to kind of key up, don't let the moment feel too big, and I mean, it's kind of why last year, the postseason, even though it was uh, the expanded one, and people were like, oh, is it real legitimate, it, it's postseason play, and getting guys in those types of situations where you're a little bit more on edge, like being able to control all of your emotions there and, and hitting late in games, two outs, runners in scoring position, that all goes along with it. You wrote an article about a week ago uh, outlining what you thought was going to happen with the postseason roster. We've done the same thing over here. We had an episode where we talked about it. We're pretty similar in what we think, although you kind it was interesting. In your article, you had 12 pitchers you you were pretty sure were going and 13 players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you basically left that 26 guy not really mentioned. You were like, well, they'll probably go 13 and 13 and maybe Dallas Keuchel gets in there. I've been pushing for a while now, 12 pitchers, 
You take four starters. Keuchel doesn't even make the roster. Keep the extra bat, especially if Gavin Sheets performs well in the last month. Uh, after writing that thing a week ago, has anything over the last week, especially some of the struggles the team has had, has anything changed in your mind? Yeah, I mean, when you look at what I wrote for that article and things, I was thinking about, okay, what are we going to watch over this next month? Because God knows we're going to see some ugly lineups. Part of the battle, it was two sides. It was one, did Dallas Keuchel find a way to pitch his way into the playoffs? Currently, the answer to that is obviously no. And I think even Keuchel himself would probably tell you that. And the other thing is, does Brian Goodwin or Gavin Sheets establish themselves enough that you feel confident leaving the other off the roster and giving Keuchel that spot? So I think it's those two things kind of work hand in hand. I think if I rewrote the article today, I'd pick the 12 and 14 argument. I'd say there's no way you can even justify putting Keuchel out there for a couple innings. And you go with your 14 bats, you put both Sheets and Goodwin there and hope one of them, and hope one of them just kind of catches fire. And I, I think that would be the biggest change for me in, in terms of a week later, sort of the differences that are already starting to develop. Is there anybody that makes you nervous about what they might be able to bring or actually not be able to bring to the postseason? It seems like there's a few guys that are falling off a little bit. Andrew Vaughn sticks out to me. There's been there's been a drop off and he's young and and. and you know, it's a full season for a guy, his first full season. Like, does he concern you? What do you think about him here in the back end? I think Vaughn is an interesting case. I think you're kind of seeing a very similar rookie slump to the one that Luis Robert went through exact same time last year. It's just these guys have never played this much. The league's finally starting to adjust to them in Vaughn's case. And I, I am a bit concerned, especially when it comes to the starting pitching you're going to end up facing in the playoffs of just generally how he plays. And you and kind of going back to your last question, too, you might see Adam Engel get some more at-bats than Andrew Vaughn in some situations, depending on who you're facing, what the matchup looks like. Because Adam Engel, certified lefty killer, has hit pretty well in limited action this year and last against right-handed pitchers. So, again, can you trust him to fill maybe some of your worries about Andrew Vaughn? I think those are completely warranted in terms of you know, how is he reacting to better pitchers, bigger situations, and you need to test him because if this is going to be something that's a sustained model, you know, he's going to get those at-bats eventually. But at the same time, you have to do it in a way that promotes your team moving to the next round, winning that game one, winning that pivotal 1-1 series tied game. All of those situations come into play. Give everybody a reason not to be nervous because I feel like we're in this we're in this stage where we know we're making it to the postseason but we also know that there's a lot of questions around the team, and I don't want to fall into a negative thing. I want to enjoy the ride. You can run out lineups like they did on Thursday afternoon that have, after the top four, have pretty five certifiable outs, uh, five through nine, and not really worry about it, like not really feel too bad about it. I know people want to win every game. I know they do. Magic number at 14 right now. That's seven wins and seven losses from Cleveland. Like, those are two guarantees at this point. It, it wouldn't take much for either of those to happen. Enjoying the ride is sitting there and watching a guy like Rami Gonzalez get some at-bats and, and see what he might be able to be next year. Is he the Leary Garcia replacement? There are so many cool narratives you can start to put together that kind of distract you from the product on the field. And at the same time, though, you know, what's maybe the concerning part of the product on the field? Is the bullpen going to be getting this together fully? And you're starting to see it happen. 
Kimbrough's mechanics have figured themselves out. Bummer looked really good um, in Oakland, even though we haven't seen him a ton. And, and I think that's a legitimate concern. But at the same time, you got to feel good about your chances when the three names back there are guys like Aaron Bummer, Craig Kimbrell, Liam Hendricks. You can't build this team on paper much better than it's been built right now. And that should be exciting for Sox fans because that should give you a chance to be in every single game. Awesome. Jordan Lazowski right there from Sox on 35th. Good friend of the show. Stops in, you know, gives us a great take, I think, on an awful lot of different things that are going on around the White Sox. And uh, Jordan, uh, make your plans now, man. Dixie Highway Brewery Trail uh, Oktoberfest. I want to see you there. I want to see how many you can pound back. Hey, you know, that sounds like a great time. Get on, get on Eventbrite. Grab your pass. Thanks so much, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Take care. Hey, Sox fans. In the southwest suburbs, Davern's Tavern and Lounge in Justice, Illinois, has something for everyone. Located at 8527 West 79th Street, they have this large back party room to host an event for up to 150 people. They have a massive outdoor beer garden, horseshoes, cornhole. In fact, they host the Midwest largest blind draw bags tournament every Monday night with a major and minor league. All skill levels are welcome to Man Cave Mondays and live music with DJs on the weekends. Chicago Bears fans, there's free food during all Bears games. And Davern's is a White Sox bar. During Sox games at Davern's, 250 Miller Lite bottles, $2 UV bombs, $12 pizzas, 8527 West 79th Street. Learn more at DavernsTavern.com. You were going over pitchers around the league that are having problems and being shut down and not performing very well. Yeah. And uh, you you mentioned Garrett Cole, and then you went with uh, Kevin Gaussman, and I it hit me, all of those guys are on your fantasy baseball team. It's true. And I was like, that's why they're on the top of his mind, because Ed's going head-to-head against me in a three-game series, three weeks, in our fantasy baseball dynasty league for the World Series. Everybody else didn't make it. It turns out the two guys that have the podcast were the best. One of the players in the league actually uses that as an excuse for why he didn't make the playoffs with his kids because the kids are like, why aren't you better at this? And he's like, there's two guys who cover baseball for a living, which is (laughs) sort of true when you talk about us. Yeah, the two of us are really good at kind of like figuring out the nuances and trends of players and making deals and stealing somebody before everybody else realizes that guy's good. And and you should have won this week. And I I, you, you might still win this week, but game one looks like it's going to my team. It does. Uh, mainly because all those guys are falling apart on you this week. It does. Yeah. And that's where I got to thinking about this because I'm, I'm watching, you know, people are gnashing their teeth over the White Sox losing players. And I'm, I'm watching as this week alone. This year, I had Garrett Cole come back, uh, get pulled from a game. I had Kyle Freeland, who was coming back off of an injury, get lit up. Kevin Gaussman had his first good start for me in three weeks. Brandon Woodruff is fading. So, you know, I, I've got all these guys that are just sitting there on the team that are just not getting the job done right now and my only hope is is that you know you have something like walker bueller get lit up like he did last weekend before you and i were playing or you know i don't know lance mccullers maybe his arm falls off tomorrow or something like that yeah you need my guys to stop playing well i i get it and my team shouldn't even be there i mean i i have Degrom, and he he ended up getting taken out by an injury uh i have that scumbag from uh from la what's his name bauer i I just jettisoned him you know, he's not even he's not even on my team anymore, but I mean, I lost him and he was a major part of my fantasy team and I still found my way 
to to this thing. So you need you need even more things to go wrong for me other than those things that have already gone wrong for me in this fantasy baseball season. A lot of people though think that you're correct that this Cesar Hernandez is something that's going wrong for the White Sox and what I would counter with is he is what he is. Yeah. Like that's what he is. There's a reason why I had a little trepidation when this guy became the answer at second base. It makes sense for him to be the plug-in. He's still the best option for you at that position. He still statistically is better than what you had going for you there. But I don't think that he's a guy that long-term I want on this team. I'm not with Frank Thomas, who got all super excited when this guy became your second baseman, who was like, you know, ready to start throwing high fives in the in the postgame studio because he's a guy that his OPS plus is, is for career under 100. And he's sitting in the 90s right now. And he is a slightly below average hitter. And that that's what he is right now. He's not somebody you can rely on. He's not somebody that's going to be anything else than a replacement level player at that position. And the, the problem was we didn't even have a replacement level player for that position when we went out and acquired him. So trust me, you're going to miss Nick Madrigal. You're going to miss him an awful lot. The White Sox best move is to go and find somebody else in in the offseason than this guy. When you look at him and you look at what he's doing this year compared to Leary Garcia, you could start having an argument that Leary Garcia is, is actually a better option offensively for you at second base. Defensively, I don't think he is, though. No, <laughs> that's where it falls apart on him. Right, and I still go back to what we've noticed uh, as the season went on. When Leary was getting used pretty much every game, he was exposed. And he was a bad player. When Leary Garcia gets rest, when he's put in the right situations, he does better. Now, he does go on heaters every once in a while, so there's an exception to that rule. But if you go throughout the course of the season, and we've covered it before, and that's why all the shows are on demand, you can go back and find these things. Use the search engine on SoxAndTheBasement.com and look up Leary Garcia. You'll find the different things that we pointed out about him. He's one of these guys that if you can use him in little spots, if you can plug him in when need be, his stats actually are better. And when you play him every day, he gets exposed. In the postseason, I wouldn't be upset with Larusa if he felt like Hernandez wasn't doing very well and was having a bad week, and he went with a hot hand and put Garcia out there at second base. I don't know if he will do it, but I wouldn't be upset about it at this point. I, I think that's the thing. I think what you have is you have two guys who are options. One is more of a long term. You throw him out there, and you hope that everything averages out for you in Hernandez. And the other one is, is he hot? Does he match up against this guy? Play Larry. Uh, th- that'll be an interesting thing to watch when we, when we get to October. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.